Thank you, Marcus. Appreciate that. All right. So, my name is Robert Green. This is my lovely wife. 38 years. How about that? Not bad. Um, so, we are empty nesters. We've got a couple of boys. Uh, I think this picture that you're seeing, they, w they did a round-the-world backpacking trip for a year. Just quit their jobs, went and did that, and we joined them in Ireland. So, we got to fly a couple of hawks and... It was a really, really great time. So, um, yeah, Would you tell them a little bit more. So, uh, we got married on St. Patrick's Day. My favorite thing about that was changing my last name to Green. <laughs> <laughs> How many people can say that? So, uh, tonight we're going to talk a, a little bit about physical intimacy, okay? So, if a sex talk is not really on your agenda for tonight, you know that there's some exit doors, uh, no, you know, no, at the back. because that's that <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about. So... Um, in that picture you just saw, I'm sure you're wondering who is the guy that she married, because that dude had a lot of hair. And if you've ever seen that Seinfeld episode, you know, uh, there's George Costanza is one of the characters. It's got kind of a hairline like this, and he says, hey, these are the remnants of a once proud civilization. <laughs> so that's kind of how I feel. But in that picture, I was smiling really, really big, okay? And why is that? For all you guys in here, why was I smiling big? Because the honeymoon was coming. I knew this was going to be great, but um, the start of my married sex life was going to immediately hit a speed bump. Yeah, so we got to Maui, and I headed to the pool. I put oil on like I'd always done all my life, and ready for a tan, but what usually uh, would be a tan turned into a major sunburn because I had no idea that the sun in Maui was way different than it is over here. Um, so this is a picture that we found that kind of looked like she did uh, on that day. And the problem was, uh, I mean, she was really sunburned. And so we'd get some aloe vera and I had to rub aloe vera all over her, but I could not really touch her in the way that I had expected. Um, so after her fever broke, we had a really great time, um, but that took a few days. So, you know, our, our only claim to fame. I'm a, I'm a member of the Fighting Texas Aggie class Ooh. of 1982, so gig them. Um, uh, for four years, Linda held the career free throw percentage record at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. So she's a minor celebrity, y'all. So yeah, very nice. So um, it's our privilege uh, to work with a lot of couples here uh, at Watermark and in the marriage ministry. And one of the things that we just see more and more of uh, is just couples that are struggling, you know, in the area of sexual intimacy. And we know that can be an area of significant pain. And so tonight, we would just like to talk about that a little bit and just acknowledge that, hey, you can find healing uh, in this area. So for the first part of this talk, we're going to just talk about our story a little bit. Um, and uh, then we're going to um, trans transpose to talk about a few of the lessons that we learned. So the specific thing that we're going to talk about tonight is where one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other. Not that that's ever happened to you, but let's just say it did hypothetically. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, and I came to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine. My parents modeled love and affection toward each other and taught me that sex was God's gift and his design for couples to enjoy in marriage. Although I never really got the official sex talk, but in their defense, they probably felt like I had learned all I needed to when I'd walked in on them at the age of six. <laughs> Nine months later, I had a baby brother, so that was what was going on there. 
So I belonged to Jesus, but I had a rebellious heart and spent the first 22 years of my life pursuing the things of this world, especially in my college years, where my poor choices led to inappropriate relationships, a lot of heartache, guilt, and shame. But God in his mercy pursued me through it all and turned my rebellious heart back to him. He put a new desire in my heart to walk in his ways. And God has declared me blameless because of Christ's shed blood on the cross and has covered my sins. All, um, although I battled thoughts of guilt and shame over the years, I was able to fight that battle with truth, that I am forgiven and a precious daughter of the King who delights in me and loves me with unfailing love. By his grace, I was able to go into marriage, experiencing freedom in the area of sex. So I just want you to be encouraged. We have a God who rescues, redeems, heals, and restores. And he is able to do so much more than we could ever imagine or hope. Yeah, I also placed my faith in Jesus at an early age. I remained a virgin until we married. I had plenty of sexual promiscuity, however, you know, in high school. And I learned about sex primarily from the culture around us. I mean, in, in the church that I went to, we were taught to stay away from sex, you know, that only bad things can happen, you know, until you get married. Um, so as a firstborn, I was very compliant, and, um, but it was a daily struggle against my hormones, and it often resulted in masturbation. And I couldn't wait to have, you know, legal sex. Um, but I wasn't really looking forward to getting married until I met Linda in 1982. And after she beat me in a free throw shooting contest, I knew that she was the one. And so um, after we married about 18 months uh, after we met. And so this kicked off uh, phase one in our sex drive story. And to be honest with you, um, this talk kind of started uh, at a restaurant on a napkin. We started writing some of this stuff down and drawing this little chart. And it's going to look a little bit silly up here on the, on the screen, um, but we, we think it's helpful, okay? So tell okay. me what this is. Okay, so yeah, the pink line depicts my sex drive and the blue line, Robert's. So during phase one, we had a really robust sex life where our desires were in sync. As young marrieds, we were in a church where sex was never really talked about. So our own experience was what we had to go by. And we were having a lot of fun. And it really, we really didn't realize that other couples sometimes struggled in this area. So until 2008, when, when we figured out, when we entered phase two, is when we realized couples can struggle in this area. <laughs> this is when menopause hit. And I wasn't sure what was going on. I couldn't sleep or think, had no energy, and my sex life completely disappeared, and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't want to hurt Robert, so I just decided instead of talking about it and letting him know what was going on, I just decided I would avoid situations that might trigger his desire, like undressing in front of him. <laughs> Doesn't take much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started working with my doctors and trying different natural remedies, but nothing seemed to be helping. And then in the middle of all that, it felt like everything came crashing down when my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. I was very close to him, his only daughter. We shared the same birthday, and I just found myself overwhelmed with grief while dealing with the menopause stuff. Yeah, so during this time, Linda was sometimes avoiding me, you know, which made her feel bad, and I, I didn't really know 
why and neither did she. So we were not quite sure what to do. So the first thing I did was just start adjusting my expectations. Um, so while well, I knew, you know, I, I mean, I was frustrated by it, but I knew that she was grieving the loss of her dad and was hoping that eventually she'd just kind of snap out of it. And during this time, I hit 50 and started seeing the effects of midlife, which included, um, you know, a decrease in my sex drive. So in some respects, this was a blessing because, you know, just my expectations on frequency just, you know, got lowered a little bit. I mean, but, it, I mean, during this phase, too, it's not like we were in a desert. You know, there were plenty of times of passion just not the frequency that we had once uh, enjoyed. Uh, so for example, um, on our 25th anniversary, we had a really fun time in car number 23 on this mile long Whistler uh, gondola. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had no idea that picture would ever be up in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So, but one thing, at least we showed a lot of restraint to skip car number 22, because it was the glass bottom car. <laughs> and hey, we gave this talk once at a church, and uh, what's really funny is a few months later, uh, they sent us this, this picture, and some couple at the church was so impressed that they made a Christmas ornament. <laughs> so, hey, it's become impactful when you're getting Christmas ornaments, you know, so... The biggest question that we'd get, though, when this is over, I mean, the first time we ever talked about this, we had a guy come up afterwards. He said, I, I just got to know, how long is the ride? <laughs> <laughs> and so, just so you know, it's 11 minutes. So, <laughs> we had plenty of time for sightseeing. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, so a couple of things have... <laughs> uh, happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. First, I decided to try bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Um, after trying a few options, I found a combination that worked wonders for my energy and sex drive. And you can see from the chart that every time I receive a treatment, which is a few times a year, it has an immediate impact on my sex drive. But the second thing, and very, very important, was I attended a Bible study program here at Watermark called Equip Disciple. And that taught me how to memorize scripture, meditate on God's word, journal, and pray, which really helped me grow in my dependence on God. And that was really critical for me because when our sex drives flipped and there were occasions when Robert didn't seem to desire me, I had to have tools to fight the lies um, and the, that I felt undesirable or um, body image stuff. So, um, but because of my time and God's word, I had those tools to fight those lies and, um, and the truth that I made in God's image, so. So, I mean, today I can tell you with all integrity, our sex life is better than ever. And there are times we were not, where we are not as in sync, you know, if you will, as we once were. Um, but because we've each had seasons where, you know, one of us is on the high side, one of us is on a low side, um, we just better understand each other. And there's just a, a lot of compassion between us. And so um, as we started thinking through this, there's really four things that we learned through this journey. And they were really helpful to us um, in retrospect. And what we would suggest, um, you know, is think about this. Whether you're 27, 47, 67, anywhere in between, um, we've seen these four things that have been helpful to others that we've sat down with. So we're just going to share um, these four things with you for the next uh, couple of minutes. So 
Let's go. So the first thing we want to share is that you've got to communicate about this, okay? Now, <clears throat> this was hard to do, and it's going to be hard for you. I mean, this is maybe the last, outside of your finances, this might be the next hardest thing, you know, to talk about. Um, and so I totally understand how awkward it's going to be for many in this room uh, to do that. But this is really important. Can't emphasize it enough. If you're personally struggling in the area of physical intimacy, you need to tell your spouse. Even if you don't know how, what is happening, which was often our case, it's going to be helpful to let your spouse into the struggle. Um, by not discussing it, you're just going to open the door to misunderstandings between you. Um, and you actually deny your spouse the opportunity to love you if you keep it to yourself. Um, just remember what Galatians 6.2 tells us. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah, so sometimes when Robert would want to talk about this topic, I, my insecurities and stuff, I would sometimes take things personally. Um, and so it's just real important that if your spouse comes to you and wants to talk about this, that you listen compassionately and with an open mind, um, hear their point of view. It surprised us at how often one of us would be reluctant to discuss this topic, yet um, the other one would be thinking almost the exact same thing when we would talk about it. And so each time we talked about it, um, it became much easier to discuss it the next time. And we've also learned that as awkward as it is, and it's really awkward for me, to, it's important to sh communicate what you like sexually. That's a hard one. So for me, it felt very selfish, so I didn't want to do that. But he explained to me, Robert explained to me, um, and helped me understand that it wasn't being selfish because it was important for him to please me. So in a marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other, this is actually a way to love each other. Yeah. So point number two is don't pressure, okay? So this is primarily for the spouse that has the higher sex drive, okay? So when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, um, I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. So, you know, I tried to ask nice, like, you know, some pass away, like, hey, are you feeling frisky today? Um, <laughs> Never, works. Never that, works. That would often make her feel guilty, and any chance I had was gone, okay? And here's another pro tip, okay, from somebody who's been there. If, if she's crying about something and you're trying to comfort her, don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter, okay? It doesn't go well. So... If you look at Paul's words in Philippians 2, it says, look, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves, not looking only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so we are called to mutually serve one another. So, you know, pressuring your spouse to meet your needs, that's not serving them. So we found that a better way is to go back to number one, to communicate and just discuss this in a way that honors them. Okay, so there were times when I would be frustrated and um, I learned that expressing those frustrations to God and asking him to change my heart, allowing him to work in me made a huge difference. I found that my focus would change away from myself and my needs. So one of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think for a moment about what you would do if your sex drive slipped. 
if you became the one um, on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way that you're relating to, to them right now? And if not, what can you do to change that? Yeah, that's, that's a, that can be a, a really convicting idea. So <laughs> um, point number three, don't withhold, okay? So for the spouse um, that primarily has the lower drive, they are the spouse that's in the position of power, okay? So remember, when your desire is lower, you are the one controlling the frequency of how often uh, that you're having sex. So the question is, well, how is a Christ follower supposed to be acting towards those over whom they have uh, authority, if you will, um, and control? So just consider the words of Jesus in Mark 10. It said, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I am to serve. As a leader, I'm to serve my spouse. If I have the position of power, I'm to serve them. Because remember, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. You are it. So um, I, one of the things we've encountered is some spouses just do not understand um, just how much of a physical need sex is for their spouse. And so Paul understood this really well when he counseled couples in Corinth. And I'll read these verses real quickly, but if you would, man, go, um, T.A., our teaching pastor here, did a sermon on this about three weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 7 that talked about the, these verses in particular. And if you'd just like to get a really healthy perspective and you've got about 25 minutes, I would encourage you to go listen to this. But here's what it says. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband authority over his body to his wife. So don't deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Yeah, so when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse. And it's really important that we don't take that gift back, even when the demands of life get hard. You know, we all can get worn out from different things, from workday, caring for elderly parents. We've been in that season. And I remember when I was exhausted from nursing babies or caring for toddlers, and the teenage years were crazy at our house. And then of course, menopause. Um, sometimes sex would be the last thing on my mind, but actually that's where sex starts, is in your mind. And scripture has really helped to change my thinking. When the negative thoughts come into my mind and I just don't want to have sex, um, I try to apply 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I learned that when I surrender that thought to God, he will replace it with a desire to serve my spouse. So I must choose to change my attitude and give unselfishly and allow God to work the change. And then I'm able to focus on ways to make sex work, which means sometimes you have to get a little creative, you know, like we've had to schedule times for sex. It's just different seasons. You just learn to do that. And then another way is just a quickie. Sometimes a quickie is fine. 
And then a lot of times um, intercourse is not an option, So, but there are other plenty of other ways to pleasure your spouse. Yeah, if you're not sure what some of those ways might be, your re-engaged leader would love to explain <laughs> those to you. So, I mean, you guys, hey, you do know that June 12th, the creative date night, uh, you can win a very nice gift card. God. And so after this talk, we expect some amazing entries to the creative date night that's going to get explained here in, in a few minutes. So, all right. Fourth and final point um, is share. Okay. Share. So look, if you think talking to your spouse about it is hard, think about talking to somebody else about it. And so if you're struggling, it is often wise to bring somebody else into the conversation. And this may be difficult. Um, at our church, the first place would normally be in our small group, guys with guys, girls with girls. This isn't something you toss out, you know, into the middle of a group. Um, let, them, let them be the ones to help you decide maybe what some next steps are if you're struggling in this area. Um, you know, if you're not, if you don't go here or maybe you're not in a small group, you know, maybe the guys in your re-engaged group or the girls in your re-engaged group might be a place to start. Just remember Proverbs 15:22: plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's going to be helpful to have others around you because this can get complicated. Yeah, so our sexual desire can be affected in many ways. Sometimes there's a physical pain involved or um, medical issues, and you have to um, talk to a doctor about that. Um, for me, the hormone replacement therapy obviously made a big difference, but it could also be something spiritual because our spiritual lives are so closely tied to our sex life. So you have to ask yourself, are you trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life? As you share this struggle with your group, ask them if they see any areas in your life where you could be struggling to submit and trust the Lord. And if sexual abuse is part of your story, there are so there are many ministries that can help with that, and we just please beg you to not suffer in silence. And also, if you are involved in porn, if that is part of your um, issue, then we just beg you to get help because it will impact your intimacy greatly. Yeah, so just to summarize what we said, hey, communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share. And, you know, we don't like don'ts for the most part. So if you just had to summarize this whole thing, you'd say, hey, communicate, serve, and share. And so we want to be crystal clear about one thing. If you leave tonight, like, guys, if all you heard tonight is that your wife should not withhold sex, you missed the point. Okay? Ladies, if all you heard tonight is that your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you missed the point. Um, what we're saying is that you have to come together, um, find a way to serve one another, and, you know, talk about this. So please understand, look, uh, everybody's in a different place here tonight. There's going to be some of you that, like, physical intimacy is the farthest thing away from your, from, from your uh, thoughts right now. Um, if this doesn't change immediately, don't, don't feel like you've got to go home and have intercourse tonight because we had, you know, talked about this today. Um, but this, because this journey may take some time. Um, that's why you need some friends around you to encourage you uh, in steps that you might need to take. Um, we just want you to know this is an incredible gift that God has given to us. I mean, he dedicated the entire book of Song of Solomon, uh, you know, in, this, in Scripture to talk about this topic. So he's crazy about it and, and is a gift that he's given to us. Do you want me to share that? 
Okay, so um, you can go on um, the Reengage website to find some really helpful resources. Um, uh, one of the resources mentioned on the site is a book called Intimate Issues um, for Women by Linda Dillow and Elaine Pintas. It's a handbook to help you transform your sexual attitudes and enhance your sexual relationship. I have led a group of women through it, and I just highly recommend it. It is probably my number one book for women. Yep. So, man, just don't act like you got it all together in this area, you know. Um, we would just encourage you to simply get started talking to each other about it. Um, serve each other if you need to expand that um, to talk to some guys. If you guys, gals with gals, please do that. If you need any help just navigating it, you know, all kidding aside, I mean, just get your leader to the side and say, hey, we'd, we'd just like to chat about this uh, for a minute. They would love uh, to do that with you. So thank you guys for letting us share tonight.